In this episode, Ken Schumann and a group of faith walkers reflect on the topic of showing up. This conversation was originally recorded in July of 2021. We want to remind you, Faith Walking's mission is to make wholeness possible for individuals, communities, and the world. Visit us at www.faithwalking.us. Join this conversation. And so today we're going to go back to Bible study. Um, I don't know, uh, Angela, did you send the uh, handout out? Did you get that from me? Yeah. Great. I'm going to put it in the chat in case there's anybody. Well, we're going to, we're going to look, uh, we're looking at Luke 8, 26 to 39, which is the story of Jesus and the uh, healing the, uh, the, the person from, from what's referred to as Garrison country. And, uh, and, and primarily that, that was a region. Uh, I've got some things in here. I'm not going to go through all my things. Uh, I, I love, I hope y'all can tell, I love the, just the stories of the Bible. And I love being curious about the stories of the Bible. Um, so Jesus goes from one side of the Sea of Galilee or the Lake of Galilee to the other side with the disciples, and this demonic possessed man meets him on the beach. And my first questions related to this are, why did Jesus go? And why was the guy on the beach? And it just, it, it, it stirs up all sorts of questions, but but here, so if, if we put it within the context of missional theology and missional thinking, so missional theology is that God has a mission in the world and that God is at work doing God's mission all the time. That there's no place that we can go where God is not present and where God is not already working. And I think this story is illustrative of that. Or is the is it the proper pronunciation illustrative of that, whichever it is, uh, and and so God was at work in the life of a demon possessed guy, and whatever you believe about uh, the humanity, the deity of Christ, I believe He was operating out of His full humanity, and I believe Jesus models for us what missional living is. Jesus was led by the initiative of God. So God was at work on, uh, in, a, in another place and, and at work in another man. And I believe somehow either Jesus heard about this guy or in his time of reflection, God spoke to him about this guy. And I think he headed across the lake because the only thing he did when he got there was heal this guy. So I, I, again, I want to I tie it to this idea of missional thinking that we discern God's invitation. So we discern who it is and where it is that God is inviting us to join with God. And, and this was that moment. Uh, so, yeah, you may or may not have uh, uh, know a part of my story. So, uh, so there's a young man in my community that I believe God has invited me to partner with God 
in mission uh, and on mission with. He's a young 19-year-old young man, and I've known him since he was 15. And we and we've been in relationship. And he was in my life yesterday. Uh, he was here, and uh, and so it's it's listening for God's discerning voice to say, "Okay, this is the person I want you engaged with, folks." Often we get overwhelmed with, "Oh my gosh, there's so many needs in the world, and there's so many people." Listen for who God invites you to partner with and then and then be responsive and go join God in that and see what God does. And I think that's what happened here. I think Jesus responded to the voice of God in his own life, in his own reflection, and he went across the lake and and here was this demonic guy and and the guy gets healed. Uh, now, what's also fascinating though is the demonic guy is waiting on the beach when Jesus shows up. Well, why was he waiting? What was he doing on the beach? Did he know Jesus was coming? Was he, you know, I mean, I, I, and I have no answers for you, okay? I, I just am curious about all that uh, within the story. Uh Notice that in the midst of the story, the man looks at Jesus and he starts screaming. So, folks, make it practical with you. What if you show up in the life of another person and you're there to help them and bring healing and being the, bring the wholeness restoring work of God's spirit and they start screaming at you when you show up, right? I mean, it, it just... Sometimes people resist our good intentions. He began to scream, and uh, I think it's important, even, even in our work in faith walking, sometimes it's more comfortable for people just to stay stuck than to get well. And, and just to recognize that, okay, you know, just because I know how wonderful this is, just because I know how transformative all of this, all of this work is, and, and just because I have some tools that I think could bring transformation to someone else's life doesn't mean that that person's going to be all enthusiastic about receiving them. And this demon-possessed guy uh, wasn't. Um, and... I'm not even going to go into the theology related to all that. And, and then somewhere in the midst of the conversation, Jesus asked the guy what his name is. And notice that he, he, he says, well, my name is Battalion because there's this whole battalion of demons living in, in me. And this is not original with me. A friend helped me see this. But I think it's an important uh, idea that this guy was so consumed by his problems that he'd forgotten who he was. And often the people that we are trying to help get lost in their problems and they forget who they are and they forget, uh, they, they forget who God made them to be. And they, uh, you know, so it, it's just fascinating. Jesus asked him his name. Uh, maybe we could say, Jesus, ask him, do, do, you, do you remember who you are? 
And I think part of the work that we do in faith walking is helping people remember who they are. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Remember who you are. So then, then the scripture says, and suddenly the man was liberated from the demons. And we all know they got in the pigs and went down and drowned themselves and all that. Uh, here's some, some stuff. And again, my, my, you can see my big question marks emerge. Uh, so notice the man didn't ask for anything. He just showed up. The man didn't repent and, or confess. He just showed up. The man didn't outwardly exhibit any faith. He just showed up. And Jesus healed him. I, I, th I mean, to me, that's it's fascinating. No repentance, no confession, no, no faith expression. Uh, he, he just showed up on the beach and Jesus healed him. Um, so then he's healed and, and all uh, the, the witnesses run and, uh, and go into town and they bring a crowd back. Uh, isn't it, isn't it always fascinating? Whenever there's a story of any kind, people get really curious and really, uh, sometimes nosy and want to know what's going on. I think the nosy people from town show up, they want to know, and, and they find Jesus in, in the position of teacher teaching this guy and this guy fully clothed now, fully sane, fully in his right mind, sitting at the feet of Jesus. And the scripture says, and they got really afraid. So if you read through my notes, here's a guy possessed by demons who ran around naked. So first of all, just think about a man running around the neighborhood naked, spending the night in the local cemetery, homeless, uh, living in remote places without human contact, and often the people would tie him up, chain him up, keep guard over him, and somehow he would always work his way out of that and free himself up. So can you think about, imagine in your neighborhood, a crazy man living. And every time we try to get him under control uh, and even chain the man up, he gets freed up and he's just running loose in the neighborhood. So think about that guy, okay, for a moment. And then he gets healed of his, of, of his, of his mental disorder and he's sane and in his right mind. And here's what the scripture says. And the people were afraid. They were not afraid of the demon-possessed naked man running through the, the cemetery and breaking chains. They weren't afraid of that guy. They were afraid of the guy healed in his right mind. That blows me away. And it's fascinating to me. And, and, uh, and, and here's, here's my thought about that. Systems and people always resist change. Okay? So so think with me for a moment. I'm we're more comfortable 
with the brokenness that we live in the middle of than we are with the wholeness that God wants to restore us to because it involves change. And we all resist change. These people were more afraid of the change and the, and the healing than they were in the brokenness. And, and again, that's just fascinating. So I think even in our work in faith walking, that one of the things I would say is don't be surprised when people are resistant to change. Don't be surprised when your church is resistant to change. Don't be surprised when you want wholeness for your congregation and your congregation resists the wholeness that you want. Because we're just comfortable with the brokenness that we live in. I, I think this, this story uh, demonstrates that. So the, the newly liberated guy then uh, looks at Jesus and he says, man, I want to become a disciple. I want to go where you're going. Please take me with you. Now that sounds really reasonable, doesn't it? And this is one of the occasions Jesus creates a boundary and he says to the guy, no, I don't want you going with us. Well, wait, Jesus, I'm, I'm full of hope and I'm full of joy and I'm full of excitement. You just healed me. I want to be your disciple. I want to go where you want to go. And notice where Jesus tells him to go. I want you to go home. I, I want you to go home and I want you to tell the people at home about all this dramatic work of wholeness restoration that's occurred in you uh, and, and start there. Don't come with me. In faith walking language, uh, and I realize I'm, 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 I'm jumping ahead, but in faith walking language, we often say uh, the work with our families of origin is the hardest work, but also the most important work that we do. And, and I know that's not really what Jesus is saying here, but I, but I want to make that application anyway and say, what if Jesus is saying to this guy, go home and do your work at home? It's the hardest place, but let those people see the transformation in you. And uh, yeah, before you go anywhere else, go home and, and be with your family and uh, be among them. And the man went home and, and he was so excited. He told everybody in the, in the entire city his story. Note, notice this, we, we, one of the principles we teach in faith walking is about transformational conversations. And what Jesus told this guy to do is go home and have a transformational conversation. Go home, tell the people about the wholeness being restored in you. And the guy was so excited. He, he, he told not only his family, but he told everybody around him, everybody living in the city. He couldn't help but tell the story of, of what God was doing in his life. And folks, that's what a transformational conversation is. It's just telling people what God's doing and, and, and the work that God is doing needs to be fresh. So I don't go tell the story about, let me tell you what happened when I was nine years old and walked the aisle of my church and I gave my heart to Jesus and was baptized. That's an important part of my story, but mostly what I want to tell you is God is doing ongoing work in me, restoring wholeness in me today. 
so that I'm becoming more healthy and more whole. Let me tell you about that story, because God is the God that saves when I was nine, but he's also the God that's alive in me and working in me now when I'm 64. So I think that's about all I have to say about that today. So what's that stir up for you? Anything in the story fascinates you like it does me? And if so, what? I'm showing up, just showing up. Yeah. That resonates with me strongly because I almost didn't even show up today. I have a lot of family coming in, moving back. Some just arrived today. Um, broken relationships that are uh, being forced to get together. Yeah. Big challenge, but the showing up part, it's like I'm, I'm having to discipline myself. And I have actually over the past couple of weeks to show up, even if I have nothing to offer, nothing to say, nothing to, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it is hard. Oh my gosh, it's hard. But I see it gives me hope. You know, he got healed because. Yeah, yeah that's it, Brenda. He showed up. And he got healed. And and what if what if we just show up and God does a work of healing in us because we show up? Good. Thank you for that, Brenda. Yeah, so go for it. But this story reminded me of a story I heard um, that of, of something that Mother Teresa did and said to someone. And it, it's all I heard that she said this, so I don't know this directly. Okay. But, um, but that someone told her they just wanted to give their life to the poor in Calcutta. And uh, how could that happen? And Teresa, Mother Teresa said, no, you need to go home. It was the same kind of thing. Mm -hmm. You need to go home and love the people you're with there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, whether that would have been normally her answer or she just discerned that that's mm -hmm. what needed to happen here, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But it's such a reminder of um, often it's easier to look, look out there uh, and forget about what's right before us yeah. uh, and the opportunities we have to, um, to love people who are in our midst uh, and right before us and uh, using, using the language you did, Ken, of telling, telling our transformational story there. Yeah, yeah, so good, Saul. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, good. This reminds me of um, other scriptures that, that certainly um, affirm this story as well. Last Sunday, you know, in our lectionary, it was the story of the um, healing of Jairus's daughter and the woman who reached out to touch Jesus's garment. Mm -hmm. um, here's, here's Jairus, who's a temple leader, um, somebody who probably wouldn't have been interested in Jesus based on what we know of the um, the temple leaders. And here's this woman who would have been considered unclean because of, of having been bleeding for all those years. And she wouldn't have been able to be there. Um, but they showed up. Mm -hmm. and, and that's all they had to do. And my point in the sermon was that, you know, through this pandemic, we have shown up every Sunday, we're coming back in person this coming Sunday. And so last week was a transformational Sunday for us. Mm -hmm. um, 
And I wanted to make that, that point that we have shown up mm -hmm. um, and we will continue, but this time we'll be in person. So this story affirms that as well. Yeah. Thank you, Judith. And, and this story occurred just before they went back across the lake uh, for Jairus's daughter to get healed and, and the woman who touched his garment uh, in the sequential order of things. Yeah. He just showed up when God did mm -hmm. and received what God offered him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and that that's it's exactly what I what I had done, mm -hmm. and what 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 started me on this road. And I I shortly after uh, Jeff had offered uh, to do coaching with me, which at that time I did not even understand what he meant by the word coaching, because mm -hmm. <laughs> I had not been exposed to to faith walking. I have been on a deep transformational journey ever since. What's a, what's a place of practical application for you from this story, do you think? Like you said, go home, work with the origin within your family. Okay. And, and, and even like with the conversations I've had with some of my siblings recently, just having general conversations so that there can be a, a, a trust built there because the change thing, that's what I'm coming up against the most opposition. And actually, I was told last night, uh, well, you know, I like you better when you weren't so concerned about this or so concerned about this. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm like, what do you, you know, I, I'm like, I can't live this way. I have to make, I have to go through these mm -hmm. changes. I will yeah. die if I don't, literally. In this, I, I'm, you know, it's like, well, how do you continue with the change? How do you continue doing these things mm -hmm. when you're up against? I feel like, I'm in, I'm in this bubble by myself, you know, other than faith walking, you know, when it comes to the family, I mean, that's where a lot of anxiety comes up because it's like, I don't know what they expect me to do, what they expect me to say. So I'm, I'm reminded of the thought that the only person I can change is me. And the only person I'm responsible for is me. Um, what people think or what they do. And, and so it helps me to recognize folks that as I change personally, and I am, that, that I'm changing the dance of the relationships with everybody that's close to me in my life. And, and, and it helps me to, to know that resistance is normal. And, and so there's, so it's not personal. I think that's the important thing I would say. It's not personal. People are resisting the change. And so first person I heard this from was Trisha Taylor. Trisha, Trisha said, we change the dance of our relationships. And when we change the dance, we step on people's toes. And they don't like their toes getting stepped on. And so it takes a while before they get into the new dance with us and we have to be open to the to the fact and some people may not ever get in sync with the new dance but i'm changing the dance not for them i'm changing the dance for me because this is what i need for my own life so back to my question personal application from from this story 
What do you see? What do you think? Jerry? Uh, Brian Stevenson in his book, Just Mercy, shares about this concept of getting proximate, getting okay. close to and engaging with that which makes us uncomfortable. You know, you had your chart of, the, of mental health. We avoid that, don't yeah. we? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or we avoid, you know, in, in his situation, people of color who are different. We avoid the different. Mm -hmm. And he is saying, step into and get proximate with that which makes us uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. W which is about valuing diversity. Yeah, good. Excellent, Jerry. Thank you. It's also, I think, uh, a matter of humility. You know, um, being humble when the Lord points you in a direction that you're not comfortable with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or mm -hmm. on the on the flip side, for the man who was healed being humble when God shows up and mm -hmm. just receiving without asking questions. Yeah. Yeah. Ken, I really liked what you said about, about telling people about your journey of becoming whole. Mm -hmm. I, I think that it's really difficult for me to, um, the old fashioned term witness or evangelize where I live. Um, mm -hmm. I live in a resort area where there are a lot of wealthy white people and um, people don't need God. I mean, really, they can just buy what they need. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a young gal in our community that I've known since she was a baby. She's a, a contemporary of my kids and she's married now with four little girls who are adorable. And I invited them to Sunday school. I said, can I come to the Easter egg hunt? And, you know, well, she said, um, Actually, um, Michael, my husband's an atheist, and he was originally from Louisville, and um, he's sick to death of hearing people talk about Jesus, which kind of broke my heart because Kenna was raised in the church, and she's got these four adorable kids. They've intentionally now, they're, moved, they're keeping their house up here, which is hard to do because it's um, a resort area, but they're going to they have enough money that they can do that they're moving back to louisville but the specific reason is because of diversity that michael said it's hmm. too white and it's too rich so hmm. so how do we as believers here talk about talk about god without talking about becoming whole mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. because they've heard the talk about jesus Mm -hmm. and um, you're a sinner so how do we reframe that not mm -hmm. make it something different but how do we expand that that um that god not only saved us but he's saving us correct and um you know what does he do on a daily basis to help me become more whole and um to his credit michael went to louisville there's an article about him in the paper brought a bunch of kids from a very impoverished area in Louisville and brought them up here to play basketball with our kids' basketball teams. 
Hmm. They've never been out in nature. They've never seen the sand dunes. They've never seen Lake Michigan. They've never gone in a kayak and they just spent time. And Michael was being more missional than a lot mm -hmm. of us who mm -hmm. live here. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so I, yeah. I love what you said about how do we reframe our message about being whole? Yeah, I, I think that's it. And, and, and not for me, and, and I'm going to get on a soapbox here for just a moment, gang. Uh, we, we make these big, broad, platitudinal statements about Jesus that aren't always real or true. I mean, I, I just drove through the deep south, okay? We went to the Smoky Mountains, and there were billboards with, with these simple things. So one of them, and for all of us in faith walking, one of them was, are you anxious in life? Trust Jesus. Okay, I get that. I, I know that. But you know what? It's not as simple as that, right? But let me, let me tell you how Jesus is helping me manage my anxiety. Okay, I can I can tell you that story. Jam, what what got stirred up for me, uh, you know, with with Michael's story and him being an atheist, because I know people just like that that are more missional than most Christians I know. And there's a phrase, I don't know who said this, and and it may be troubling for some of you, but I've come to believe it. And and it's this phrase: there are people doing kingdom work who do not yet acknowledge the king. And I reverse that and say this, and there are people who acknowledge the king who are not yet doing kingdom work. And, uh, you know, I reached out to Kenna and Michael and I said, I am so heartwarmed by, by what you're doing. Please may I get involved, you know, um, next year, if you do this, I would love to be involved. Um, I'm, I'm commending you. Yeah. And, and they are doing kingdom work without yeah. acknowledging the king. There you yeah. go. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know what? I think God smiles on that. I, I do too. Yeah. Because, and, because they're, they're in the flow of God's heart. Right. Okay. Now, are they completely there? Are they completely whole? No, we'd say there, there's a, the spiritual dimension. There's work yet to be done, but, Oh my goodness, look at all this other good work. And, and, and I believe God is, uh, is smiling on that. Miss B? Ken, I want to share this. I want to go um, a part of what Jen just finished saying. Uh-huh. Where I live here is in the Sugar Creek area. Mm -hmm. The country club is a, is a block from me. And um, I've been in this area for quite a while. And um, I go next door and help my neighbor, which my neighbor is like, oh, we are here. I'm the only one, okay? Yes, ma'am. I, I know what you're saying. You know what I'm saying? And mm -hmm. um, she had a friend over to her house and we were all working in her backyard. And before I got there, I guess they were talking about Miss B. So, um, when her friend left, she says, you know, Miss B, my friend is Jewish, but she said that she, she said Jesus in you. Amen. A Jewish lady, a Jewish lady you know, mm -hmm. say this, to, you know. Mm -hmm. So what Jen said, in a sense, you know, I can re relate to, to what she said about, you know. Yeah. Like that. And yeah. Like we are, we're all missionary. We don't have yeah. to go overseas. 
Right. We are Meshadar right here in our neighborhood. Absolutely, Miss B. Absolutely. And and what I believe is, so to kind of wrap and tie all this around together, what I believe is people are drawn to the wholeness restoring work of God in our lives. And it's not about our talking. It's not about what we say. It's it's about that. Yeah, I can see God is changing you. I can see God is restoring you to wholeness. And I want God to do that in my life as well. Uh, and that draws people in, I think. For more information about Faith Walking, visit www.faithwalking.us. We want to remind you, Faith Walkings exist because of your financial support. Please consider giving at faithwalking.us backslash donate. Thank you for listening.